Listen in. Thanks for doing just that. Music, music has some sort of magical, maybe mystical thing happening. Mystical, mystical. That couldn't be more sucked in. I love it. You see, I want to live life better, unless I'm in some sort of funk and all I want to do is wallow. Songs, artists, musicians, lyrics, they help me in all sides of life. They're like lifts in my shoes. I walk a little taller, my shoulders are on my back. Yeah. Bring on life. Bring it completely on. So I'm full of questions and I listen in. Luckily, or hopefully, I travel with a recorder and open SM58 microphones. You've got questions? I've got more. I'm Frank Jenks. I began listening with a syndicated radio program, interspersing conversation pieces with songs and subject matter. And now, I just want to offer this fullness, the greatness, the insight directly from rock stars to you this way. It's nice when you get to the point that people know you. Dustin Kenser was thoughtful enough to know me. Maybe because I, I was early on the thrice bandwagon. Maybe it's because I came prepared and curious about how his faith was uncompromised in his lyrics. And I'm talking about a rock music world that begs for artists to not get into spiritual stuff. This was my final interview with Dustin before he decided to leave thrice for a more real life. Now those, those are my words, not his. This was recorded on their bus outside the intersection in Grand Rapids, Michigan on October 25th, 2011. Are you a yellow-bellied guy? Are you, are you cowardice? Are you uh, writing about yourself? Are you writing about humanity in that sort of a song? I think in some ways myself, I, I, I think that, that that stuff exists in everyone, um, but it's, it's kind of a challenge not to, to land there, to, to move out of that, to lead and love uh, your family well. But I mean, in a broad sense, that song is just saying don't don't be a coward like step up and and lead and love um yeah kind of more of a a wake-up call than than anything are we cowards because we're afraid to risk something i think we're afraid of all sorts of things that we're usually not even aware of uh i mean that's pretty pretty complex issue i mean why are people why are people abusive physically verbally sexually like that's gigantic uh question i think their fears kind of at the at the roots of all those things um yeah i i took a little bit from uh from it uh thinking that people live fairly apathetically too a little bit i think i mean i think that can be just well i wouldn't say just as abusive but it can also be abusive to to be apathetic you know mm-hmm. if you're in a position or a, a role or a relationship that requires certain things to uh you know so as a father or as a, a husband there are certain things that that come with that or should come with that that if you're just apathetic to that's very detrimental but how, how does one stay away from that because you know when the water sort of gets lukewarm and everything sort of feels good or right? uh, man i don't need to do anymore right now um man that's a bad spot that's when I don't know. That's a, that's when you, I think, open 
up situations that are you're setting up like future failures kind of or um i don't know i mean for me i think of any kind of relationship doesn't really grow unless you're actively building into it and and nurturing it uh if you kind of let it alone it's like the weeds creep in and mm-hmm. um you know th- things i guess there's there's somewhat of a uh law of entropy operating in in relationship even so uh, So do you have to kick yourself in the butt to to watch yourself from falling into it yeah i think so i think i mean for me it's one of my harder things is i'm not very organized and so that ends up leading to um failing to follow through on things or um and yeah so i think there's a ton of different ways that that this stuff can manifest but um for me that's that's one of my my harder things is is just staying on top of stuff that i'm saying i'm gonna do or take care of um yeah but dude if you have an iphone shouldn't you be able to do it all now i try i try (laughs) i i would be actually really lost without it i i wouldn't get anything done so (laughs) well i guess you were born at the right time then right yeah you could have technology at your uh fingertips so yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe a different time I would have been trained better. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, I wonder that too. I wonder if if technology is has sort of led us to this place of, okay, I'll just have a little whistle that'll remind me twenty minutes before I have to do things. So then you don't even prepare for. Yeah, we also have much more complex lives. I think in a yeah. lot of ways, yeah, just so. the the myriad of communication forms really uh, kind of flood into our our lives uh and also just all the diversionary things that are around now so yeah uh i jumped to the next track promises i i love the idea about commitment is this about commitment is it about divorce yeah. uh it's about marriage divorce commitment um essentially saying what's the point of making a mockery of of marriage you know we we do that because we all want this thing usually and we there's these kind of classic vows in place and we all say those and uh they're really meaningless if we don't uh take seriously what they're talking about so all all of those vows are you know talking about till death to us part for better or worse richer or poorer sickness and health um so it's like kind of a, a covenantal language of saying like i'm going to love you through those things not i'm always going to feel the same way but i'm going to actively love and care for you through those things um but what happens in reality is people hit a rough spot and they're like oh well i guess this person's not my soulmate mm-hmm. and so i'm out of here uh, and it's just so it it's trying to expose i think that situation like what's the point of these promises if if they don't mean anything um it's kind of a, a the other side of the coin from the weight or something where that's talking about what that that mm-hmm. kind of love can look like and this is kind of lamenting the lack of it is commitment is it a practice is it an art i mean the commitment itself i think is one part of something larger in a in a committed like i mean for me i would say in a, like a marriage relationship commitment is is foundational to it um the feeling of love is not 
really foundational to it. It can lead to that commitment, mm-hmm. okay. but it doesn't sustain that commitment. If you, if you let that be the sustaining of that commitment, then that commitment is only as, you know, that commitment can go out the window if you wake up grumpy, you know, like that's, that's not what it is about. So a feeling of love can lead into that commitment. And then that commitment can keep rebirthing feelings of love throughout that relationship. Uh, especially when both parties are mutually committed in that way. Um, and so there's, in a sense, a, a deepening of those feelings. It's less kind of surface, whatever, but um, I don't know. I, so I think that's a, a large misconception is what mm. what sustains a marriage, what sustains a relationship. It's not, it's not feelings. Like, feelings are fleeting. So does this ring on my finger and that tattoo on your finger, what does that symbolize? Um, I mean, I think it's supposed to symbolize a, that commitment that's mm-hmm. saying this is, this is a done deal. This is what I'm, I'm committing to. I'm, you know, off the market to anyone else. I'm off I'm, the market. Uh, yeah. Like th- <laughs> right, this yeah. is, I'm, I'm not screwing around with this. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a physical uh, reminder of, of, of that commitment. Yeah. I think I still look at people's, uh, hands. I don't think often, but often enough that I, that I'm thinking about it right now to go, I wonder if they're, and not that I'm, not that I'm on the market, not that I'm looking, but I'm just thinking, I wonder how, what their life is like. Oh, they're in a relationship and that's, and I always kind of go, Oh, that's cool. Mm. You know, because I think that hopefully it's a it's a healthy healthy thing that's going. The other thing I was thinking that you were talking about was um, that you were uh, going to was before I got married to my wife, she really wanted to have this beautiful ceremony, and we ended up having that, and it was great. But at the time, I'm like, I am already committed to you. So what what is the difference between my commitment in love uh, to her rather than actually having a public service um, for it? I think that you're part of it is that you're I mean you're making vows promises mm-hmm. oaths whatever you want to call it in front of you know your community you're saying this is what I'm committing to so that they they also are are holding you to that right. they they know that it's not some some secret thing and and there's a sense of the the celebration of it you know in that so the, I think it's a combination of uh, accountability in a sense and also having other people join in being like this is awesome that you're doing this mm. Hey, I love the lyrics on this record. I just think they're, I don't know, this and beggars, I just think you're at the top of your game, and maybe in 10 years I'll, I'll say something else about whatever the new lyrics are then, right? Thanks, man. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I work really hard on them, so it's, it's always uh, it's cool to hear when people are stoked on them and feel like they're the best things I've done. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course we always want to get better at everything, right? Yeah, but that's what it is. Uh, Blinded, I, I, I don't. Maybe my fave song on, the, maybe sonically my fave song on the record. But I also love the idea of of when somebody's trying to fake life, and, and specifically in the lyrics, I go to keep a close watch on the whitewash, disguising the dead bones inside. Is that is that song kind of going down that road? Yeah. Um, for me, it's it's really talking a lot about. Uh I don't know, distinctions between a legalistic looking at, at your actions and a, and a heart focused, uh, look at yourself. Um, uh, so Jesus is, uh, it, a lot of it's taking imagery from, 
from Jesus talking uh, to the Pharisees, and they were kind of a, a religious group within Judaism at the time, and they kept all these laws very well on the outside. They even made more laws on top of what God had given them to make sure they didn't break the other ones. And, and uh, so they were just really anal about all this. And uh, he basically, he, he said, <laughs> he's really mad at them. And he, he calls them a bunch of things. He says, he calls them whitewashed tombs disguising dead bones. And mm. basically saying like, you look real nice on the outside, but inside in your heart, there's rottenness. Um, and... So I, I think um, that's something that a lot of people can, can struggle with. I definitely know I have at times and, and um, with just trying to appear a certain way, but, but inside not, uh, not having those actions actually connected to, to my heart. So are we continually trying to um, make healthy the rottenness that's inside of us, or is the rottenness always attacking what is our basic goodness inside of us i don't believe that we're basically good um i believe that we're made in the image of god and so there is in that there's value and dignity um mm -hmm. and there is there's kind of basically i believe that that's distorted that it's fallen um and so i would hold with calvinism to a doctrine called uh total depravity that we are um it doesn't mean that we are as bad as we can be that would be utter depravity but total depravity means that every part of us is 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 stained in some sense is fallen uh our minds our hearts our wills um and so i don't know that's that's kind of where where i would fall not, not that we are, are naturally good but that we're naturally i think that even uh, I don't know. I, I would attribute the good that we do see to to God's kind of restraining hand that, that if he w were to let that back, that uh, things would be much worse than they are. Um, yeah. So so do you make music to help people like me fight? Fight that that's inside of me? I would say that... <laughs> I would say that... Well, first of all, I, I make music just because I make music, uh, mm. because I feel like it's what I've been gifted to do, and I love doing it. Um, but I would say, in answer to that question, that I, on a surface level, yes, like I think we should fight that, but I also think that on a deeper level, um, I don't know, uh, I would say scripture talks about this idea of regeneration or god giving us a new heart um and that enabling us to uh to actually do good not in just a sense of like a civic righteousness of yes you can do good things that are not bad things but on a deeper level of, of how you're justified before uh before god um i think that that is a gift it's not a not something that you can do well i, I kind of think sometimes that i i when I start feeling like I'm seeing the light and starting to understand that all of a sudden <laughs> some sort of, you know, uh, metaphorical cataracts starts growing over my eyes and all of a sudden I can no longer see what I thought I saw yesterday. Mm -hmm. Or or it gradually just sort of creeps in and then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, I'm I'm lost again, you know, and that's that's why you write cataracts and that's kind of what happens, right? Because we're just all sort of 
what you how you just how you just uh, yeah i mean in a sense that song is kind of pleading for a new heart for new eyes for new mm-hmm. ears um out of an understanding that uh, i i think that naturally we are we are deaf and, and blind and dumb to uh, a lot of a lot of things i mean yeah this stuff <laughs> it's it is uh it is mysterious stuff there you know how how does one do this like this this cd here this kid wrote about uh the parable of the the sower and the seeds it's talking about um kind of the spreading of the gospel and it lands in different soils and gets snatched up or it gets choked out or it gets dried up in the sun and then some seed falls in good soil um but the interesting thing about the story is that it how does one become a different kind of soil uh, i'm not sure that that's what it's saying uh as enigma- as enigmatic as that sounds um jesus talks in parables a lot and, and a lot of people are like oh yeah he was saying these to like teach easier uh and that's not actually what he says about them um he basically says that they're they're creating new realities as he teaches them that they're uh almost judgments um that if you are seeing them then you're seeing them if you're not seeing them you're not seeing them and uh i don't know it's it's definitely more uh a little more dark and shrouded than i than i once would have thought well there there's been plenty of times when i've i've said to people that i think have more uh enlightenment than i do and that is why couldn't god just say it straight out why do you have to talk in so many parables and metaphors? I was like, oh my God, I can't get it. You know, there's a part of me that just says, do this. But maybe that's why I have to work at it. And that's when it feels, you know, that's when, you know, that's when something is, is really real when you have to work for it and get it. I don't know. I don't know either. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, called in the air, maybe my, uh, I guess I think this is where life is for so many, so many different times in the day when we have to make a decision for for life and 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 for our own um, betterment if not the people our community's betterment whatever but but specifically here choosing to live yeah um i took the metaphor of the coin toss kind of from uh, no country for old men um the scene in the in the gas station and some of the, the imagery in there is from that but just this idea that you're, you know, the the station attendant says, you know, I I don't know what I'm, what we're playing for, and Sugar says, you know, you, you've been putting it up your whole life. He's basically saying you're playing for your your life, and you're putting it up every moment, and you're not aware of that. And so I think that's actually, regardless if there's a psychopath in your gas station, that's true for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. You you don't know that you won't stop breathing the next minute. Um, and so we try to ignore that a lot. We try to push that to the back of our minds and bury it. And I think that if we were more aware of that, it would make us more prone to really want to know what we believe about ultimate reality and what life is and why it matters and does it have meaning and do we have a purpose in it. Um, with so many distractions that it's very easy to not think about any of those things and and have a very... Um, full or I guess filled up life um, and so that yeah that song is kind of a prompting to, to to figure it out like you're 
your coin is tossed it is going to fall you will die um and you don't know when and that might not matter at all it might matter in you know more than anything you have the biggest terms i i wonder if distractions are are the big evil in the world because i'm thinking i probably flip that coin up every day but if something happens while that coin's up in the air sports traffic all of a sudden i don't even know it lands i don't know if it's heads or tails i don't know what i'm thinking all i know is that i'm on to the next distraction like you said earlier about you being distracted you know yeah. as a, as a as a as a way of life in a way you know what i mean yeah i would say that that's why it's important to figure it out what you think and so that when you're in traffic when you're watching sports when you wake up that you know at least what you're calling that coin you know like Mm -hmm. that and that's going to influence everything that you do how you sit in traffic how you watch that ball game um yeah well i've been thinking lately too and it was a lyric from somebody else but it it was something about the hopeful morning and i know that when i'm laying in with my head on the pillow in the morning i have all these great things that are going to happen for the day but then something will happen and all of a sudden i will stumble and it's like I I lose my complete focus on that, and I I wonder if that morning time is that is the most hopeful time, and then again distractions come in and just sort of take my feet out from under me, and voila, <laughs> I lay there the next morning thinking the same things, you know. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I get a little bit of that just because because of my poor planning. I don't sometimes those hopes don't pan out like uh, they should, but. I don't know. That should spur me to uh, to be a better steward of my time and resources. And, and then maybe that's why you write treading paper a little bit is is to try to pay attention to to things rather than in searching for things. But because I think it's I, th- I think you're searching for something pretty serious here in treading paper. Where if you called it treading water, I would have went, oh, it's lukewarm and it's nice and I can just sort of hang in this world. But when you're treading paper, it feels like you really are searching for something. Yeah, that term, um, I don't know, kind of the crux of that song comes from, well, or at least the the starting point in the song. The idea that uh, the space between the words, it's saying that basically we have no meaning. Um, So there's so much... um, writing and and thinking that in the end um makes everything meaningless uh the if you follow where that leads to mm-hmm. but usually we don't talk about that we kind of just put that aside uh, but i'm saying let's let's talk about that like this is what i'm i'm reading between the lines here uh you're telling me that i don't have meaning i don't have purpose there is no good, there is no evil, there is no beauty, there is no love, um, there is no transcendence. Uh, and so those things I, I I disagree with my experience in life leads me to believe otherwise. And so I want to have... Uh, I, that song is basically saying, I, I choose not to believe those things. I, I mean, I put it in terms of, like, big, big question, you know, like, either I can... Right. If anything means anything, there must be something meant for us. Yeah, to be, and that's that so kind of that's thing. playing on you know the idea of of different ways that the word mean can uh, be defined. But one being, if anything means anything, has value, 
than must be meant has a purpose. Um, and so I would say for anything to, to have value, there must be a purpose behind it. Otherwise, everything is absolutely random and chance and, and the product of nothing. Um, I mean, I don't know. These... All all situations seem somewhat improbable to me. It seems very it seems strangely improbable that there would be a God who who created me, who loves me, who sent Himself in flesh to uh, to die for me. Um, that seems very improbable. But in a different way, in a more profound way, it seems improbable that all of this is the result of absolutely nothing and randomness. Like that seems that seems just ludicrous. Whereas the first one seems improbable one one seems impossible i guess and and so i see why people can look at that and be like that doesn't seem probable yeah i I guess it doesn't it's it's kind of amazing and profound and you know kind of seems like too good to be true i think it's there's certain things that are are so good that they they go beyond the too good to be true that they they almost must be true um but for me, I look at it as I can either affirm that beauty, love, truth, uh, good, evil are actual things that I experience, or those are all illusions. And the one problem I have to deal with, if they're real, is that God has created a world in which there is evil. And that that's a hard thing for people to understand. And I don't think it's something that we can ever fully grasp. But I have to believe there's a reason for that rather than throwing all those things out the window. I always come back to, you know, it's all beyond our understanding, yet we, with words and conversation and whatnot, try to understand. I think there's certain things, yes, that are, in a sense, and I dealt with that for a long time, in a sense, trying to pry into the mind of God. And uh, if you're, you can do that in a way that's very arrogant and basically saying, well, if, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that that way so therefore God wouldn't do it that way and that's 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 very strange even though it's very easy for us to do it's like if there is a God like why are you assuming that you are like his moral or intellectual superior like <laughs> if he exists at all he obviously is far above you so or deep within you do you think that do I think that God is deep within me? Um, I would have to clarify the terms. I don't think that, in the sense that people use that usually, that God is within all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's misleading. I think that first and foremost, God is outside of us. Um, God is outside of creation. God's outside of space and time. Um, I think that He is also. So that song says transcendent and eminent. So he is outside, unfathomable. He's also close. He's imminent. Mm-hmm. He's closer there. There we breathe. So, in a sense, God is God is not located in one space. He can be all places at once. So, but I don't think that he's in us in the sense that if you look inside yourself, you will find God. I think, I think that's a lie. All right, I have to let that set on its own. You son of a gun. <laughs> um, hey, blur, I wondered, too. I wonder if, if, if things are blurry around us, if that is, again, is, is what's trying to distract us. Is If things are going, I'm trying to make sense of things, but when it gets blurry, 
I go, I really concentrate on all that blur, and now I'm distracted from where where clarity could be. Yeah, I mean, that song is really a song about disorientation, about being in circumstances that are disorienting, and I think that that's often the case, especially when there's just a bunch of stuff going on, hard times hit. Um, yeah. My nemesis, I feel it coming for me, and it means to destroy me, whatever that may be. Yeah, like, just this idea of it's kind of a crushing disorientation and inability to to make sense out of everything um the song's written kind of out of response to some stuff riley was writing about um Mm. the situation with his his dad dying and um so we've all just been dealing with a lot of that kind of stuff lately um so that song is trying to capture what that what that feels like and kind of using imagery from slow shutter photography to describe how that feels. Mm. Uh, Words in the Water. I I love any song about searching, but here I think you point out fairly, fairly um, vividly God is reaching out for for you. Yes, I think that that's that's a good way of putting it. Um, To me, the song is, is, so it's talking about yeah, there's this book, and the book and the water both kind of represent the law in the in the sense that that God gives law, and and so because God gives it and it proceeds from His nature, it's good and it's beautiful, and but it's also impossible for us to keep, and so it's deadly. It judges us. Um, mm. And so scripture kind of talks about it both ways. It's saying it is beautiful, it is good, but it's also, it's also it brings death. And so um, the, the person in the, in the story is unable to let go of this book and sees the good in it, wants to read it, but, but essentially is just being carried down into the death spot as well. And at the end, someone takes that book uh, fulfills what's written in it. Uh, you know, there's this black and white reversing, a lifting of a curse, um, a, a light. So all these things are basically representing the gospel that what you were saying, God is, is in a sense searching for us. I, I would say God is, God is grabbing us out of, out of a situation that we cannot, uh, fix on our own. Um, we, we just have to remove all the Vaseline that's on us <laughs> so he can actually grab us. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't. I don't know where that was going. Anyway, dude. No, I'm I just saying. I. I. I think that if God's going to grab you, He's going to grab you. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You know, I, I'll, I'll go with you there. I guess I when I how how um how much this is such a visual song. Mm-hmm. It feels like a one-hour documentary that is from the middle of your mind somehow pared down into. <laughs> what, it, what I don't even know what the time on the song is, but you know what I mean. But yeah, I think you can go I, backwards I, on it, and make a, a a huge story out of it, if not just without words, you know, visually, you know. Yeah, I feel like the song's kind of doing that. I think that's why I like it a lot. Is that it? Because it's so visual. It's. I think that's. I started thinking about that recently. If you can write a song that's visual and and actually tells the story visually it communicates more sometimes than you can otherwise be like the whole picture's worth a thousand words mm-hmm. you can paint a picture with your words and then it's worth more words than you had to begin with and oh, i wow. 
and I, I've never really thought about it that way before, but it, I think it's going to be helpful as I move forward writing, just like, okay, I need to, I, <laughs> I can build something with these words and then trade it in for, you know, more yeah, words and allow, in a sense. Yeah. And allow me to take it even to more places than maybe other lyrics, right? Yeah, and I don't know, the, the images can affect you in, in a different way. And I think mm-hmm. I'm happy with the mix in that song. I feel like it tells exactly what I want it to tell, but it it tells it in story and in a lot of pictures um which for me i'm usually like trying to be overly precise and sometimes uh don't get to tell as much i think well let's talk about the rottenness a little bit inside and i i I go to listen through me the next song do you you want to insert insert a thought there before i go to the lyrics you can go lyrics okay um (laughs) uh though we're men of lips unclean i speak truly what what you only think you've heard everything everything hangs on a word i just think that if we're all have this um rottenness inside of us or lips unclean as you say there and when we and when you do speak truth i think it's kind of hard to decipher that because i'm coming to the i'm coming to the table going well you have rottenness. I have rottenness. How do how how could how do I decipher what words are truth and what words are um, are uh, in yeah this in is the belly of which a, is kind of what's hitting what I was saying. God is outside of us. The yeah. the gospel is outside of us as well. This the idea that I'm and the, the song is kind of talking about gospel distortion, saying that like gospel distortion. This is something wow. that that people think they know, and it's fairly prevalent in our culture. But I would say that most of the time it's a distortion of what the Bible really presents um, and that the proclamation of that stands outside of of me as a, a sinful person um, and it stands or falls apart from me though I w- would like to live in a way that's that's worthy of it um, and so like that when it hits the second verse it's saying uh, you know, get down from that fence the story's an offense so bless or curse it's saying that when you encounter and really wrestle with what I would say the true gospel is it, it should move you to either joy and, and acceptance of it or it should repulse you and you should rebel against it um, and curse it rather than just letting it lay uh, I don't think that that it I don't think it's the kind of message that that you can let lay uh, it's it's offensive uh you know scripture says it was a the gospel's a uh it's a stumbling block to the jews because it wasn't what they were expecting and it was a it was foolishness to the greeks because they had all their their wisdom and whatever and like so it and so there's this idea that whatever cultural milieu you're in it you rebel against it unless uh i don't know unless you don't and and but but I think we're so inundated with a general like oh I know who Jesus is Jesus is whatever like I, I can just kind of write him off or I can write him into my story as muscle for whatever my agenda is and um, yeah so it's just I guess that's kind of saying yeah. engage with what this actually is and you know if you hate it okay if you love it great but well I don't just leave it be yeah I think it's because that it's he's a branded product product and you know and most of the things that i'll see on tv are nowhere near what you're writing about when it comes to you know tell televangelistic sort yeah of stuff. everyone well yeah and more than that i mean everyone has he's too large a figure to leave alone so everyone has to incorporate him 
you can't you know you can't just leave jesus out of your equation i mean rarely is that the case usually it's like well i'm vegetarian so i'm going to argue it and jesus was on my team or i'm you know <laughs> right. anti-gay and so jesus is my team um right, it, right. so he becomes muscle for your agenda rather than letting him speak muscle for your agenda god i love that phrase um anthology is are you going back into marriage on this one trying to keep god your focus or just any sort of relationship uh the song's just it's a compilation of six other thrice songs that are about um about relationships and mm -hmm. um it's kind of just a compendium compendium of those things and uh so there is yeah some some stuff that being grounded in in god but um uh yeah i mean it was more constructed as as a way to pull those together it's kind of a, a different approach yeah. for a song and i really thought disarmed was this benediction kind of yeah totally it's, it is a good word um and yeah i mean it's, it, that one's kind of straight scripture just saying you know death was was an enemy but there's a scripture that says oh death where's your sting where's your victory right yeah. um basically that that was that was removed uh on the cross yeah i still think that i can tell you out loud that i'm not afraid to die but i still think most people are and i don't know if if i had some sort of imminent news that i would not all of a sudden be a little pissed off or angry or sad or whatever but i, I don't i don't know if it's still a thing that i totally grasp is that that if i i die things will be better and maybe just because it's the unknown and that's where my where my human brain gets back into the equation and starts trying to figure out well <laughs> well yeah i mean i think it's i think it's important to think about it i think it influences the way that we live the way that we think about death um you think know. what influences the way that we think i about think death? the way that we think about death influences the way that we live mm. um so i mean Paul in his epistles in Philippians goes so far as to say uh, to, to, to die is or to live as Christ to die is gain so he's saying like he's so confident that and then he's basically he starts talking about like I wonder if I should stay like <laughs> just basically saying I, I really would rather I would really rather die um, but I'll stay because I know I'm still being used like it's <laughs> it's pretty funny actually but just that he was so confident in that and that had such an effect uh he also says, like, uh, for this, and I talk about this in another song, but for this light and momentary affliction um, is nothing compared to the eternal weight of glory um, that waits. So it, each of those words corresponds to each of those other three words. And so as as crazy and hard as life is, he, he calls it a, a light and momentary affliction mm. in comparison to the eternal weight of glory that waits. So his understanding of what, laid beyond uh, death for him had a huge impact in how he saw his everyday life hey thanks again for the time and thanks so much even though I didn't know it I, I think he was already in leaving mode from thrice he's such a sincere individual whose music and words remind me that hope is close as close as can be thanks for listening in
Thank you, thank you, thank you for reals. I know you're searching. Don't, don't stop. Keep on scouring lyrics and songs and movies and books and anywhere you can find inspiration. You are worthy of love and a great life. Give and get. Listen in and share the goodness. I sign off sincerely, comma, Frank Jenks, questioner, interviewer, searcher, hoper. <laughs>